see you this morning. I'd like to welcome you to Capital City Church. Man, it is great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. And we're just going to continue this time together singing songs of praise. And as always, I just encourage you to just worship as you see fit, whether that's standing or sitting, whatever it may be. Let us pray. Father God, you are so good. And we are unworthy to be in your presence, God, but because of who you are and because of what you've done for us, we can't be. God, I pray your way in a special way this morning. God, I pray that you would move like we've yet to see you move. God, I pray that hearts would be changed, lives would be transformed this morning. God, I pray for something that only you can do. We love you, Lord, and just help us to glorify and honor you in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. Let the king of my heart 
You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Body and the blood you shed for me. This is how I fight my. 
is how, this is how I fight my battles, this is how I fight my battles, this is how I fight my battles, this is how. In the valley, I know that you're with me, surely your goodness and your mercy follow me. So my weapons are praise and thanksgiving. This is how I fight my battle. And I believe you've overcome it. I will lift my song up. Praise for all you've done. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. Oh, Jesus, calling on your name is how I fight. Oh, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you.
surrounding us, shielding us from danger seen and unseen, Father. We're here today to praise you and you alone. close to me that are dealing with losses of loved ones. And maybe you're here this week and you really didn't feel like coming in today. It's cold. It's gloomy. Would have been easier to just stay home. Maybe you had to fight with your entire family to even get here. Round up the kids, get them in the car just to get here remotely on time. Again, I don't know where you're coming from this week. And maybe you're here this morning and you've had a great week. You've been living on cloud nine and that's great. But no matter where you're coming from, I'm sure that there has been a time where you have felt like your back is up against the wall. You may feel like the world is out to get you. And maybe you've been praying to Jesus and you don't even feel like he's hearing you. Maybe you're mad at him because you were tired of praying that same prayer over and over again for no result. But there is no better thing than we can do in the midst of our battles than to sing praise to the one who can take it away. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, it may not be next week, next month, it might be years. But I assure you that even when it doesn't seem like it, He is still working, He is still moving. He is still promises good for you. You're just in a season, and that season will come. Well, I want to sing this bridge through just one more time, Nadine, if you've got it in you. I feel like we just need to keep singing through our battles this morning. I encourage you to just lift your hearts and sing along with us. Let's sing this together.
I've carried a burden for too long on my own. And I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go. And I see it now, I'm laying it down I know that I need you I run to the Father, I fall into grace I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend so I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, 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 oh. You saw my condition. I had a plan from the start. Your son for redemption The price of my heart And I don't have a context For that kind of love I don't understand I can't comprehend All I know is I Run to the Father, I fall into grace I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend So I run to the Father again and again and again and again Again and again and again and again and again. 
Father God, we are just grateful for you. We are unworthy of all that you give us today. But God, I'm thankful that regardless of how far we may feel from you, we are never too far from your reach. And God, I pray that as just we continue this time of worship, going from song to your word. God, I pray that you would just continue to pour your spirit out over this place as you have. I lift up Pastor Jacob. I pray that you will give him the words to say. Help him to speak with boldness. God, let it be evident that it is you speaking through him. And God, open our hearts and minds that we may be ready to receive what you have to say. God, that we may leave better than when we came in this morning. God, help us to glorify and honor you in all that we do. And in your name we pray. Amen. Capital City Church. How's everybody doing? Come on. A little better. How you doing today? Good, good. Everybody says great, but I just want you to know, even if you had said not good, I would have still been okay with it. Uh, it is good to be with you today. Um, we are going to continue our series um, titled Lost, and this week we're going to be taking a look at what it looks like to be lost carelessly. And we're going to continue the parable found in Luke chapter 15 and so if you want to turn to Luke chapter 15 that's where we'll be but this is interesting because last week pastor Jonathan talked about the lost sheep uh, that was lost innocently it innocently lost its way and it was lost in the vast outdoors and and maybe a pasture that you can picture a sheep being lost in or maybe some a rocky cliff but you can imagine the great outdoors this portion of the parable is a little different. It's a little bit more intimate. We find the person frantically searching through a small Near Eastern house, sweeping and cleaning and lighting a lamp to find a lost coin. And now what's interesting about this is chapter 15 opens up with these Pharisees ridiculing and rebuking Jesus for hanging out with sinners and tax collectors, right? And it's hard because it's hard not to kind of view this and look at it and go, and perhaps it's a point to Pharisees who are carelessly losing their students, right? These were people that were maybe in and out of the temple. Maybe they were Jews. But the Pharisees had maybe neglected their responsibilities and they had, had lost their way. Jesus drawing attention that the Pharisees were as careless with this student and their students as perhaps the woman was with this coin. Were they lost carelessly? Jesus seems to say in these, in these stories, you were responsible for them. But you didn't take care of them, so they came to me. And I loved them. They were lost, and they came looking, and I found them. And it gives us this idea that they are lost within the walls of religion. 
they are lost within the walls of their context. And though they're in the building, they can't be found. But it's as Pastor Jonathan kind of pointed out, what once was lost is now found, and that which is found deserves to be celebrated. And so we're going to take a look at at that today. But in Luke 15, verse 8, Scripture says this, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call all her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is more joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Now, I don't know about you, but I would often read that passage of Scripture. And when, I'm going to be honest, when, when Pastor Jonathan started kind of breaking down this series and he says, I want you to preach this passage, I'm like, great, you gave me three verses. How am I supposed to break this down? And it, because you read this passage and you read it growing up and you're kind of like, why in the world is this lady losing her mind over a coin? Right? Like, like pennies, right? Like we see pennies all the time on the ground. And right, you don't pick up a penny unless it's face up. Everybody knows that. But like we lose pennies all the time and we're sitting here reading this story and we go, why is this woman frantically searching for a coin? And so we have to understand, and that's the important thing that we have to understand about scripture is that though it was not written to us, it was written for us. So we have to understand the context of why this woman searches so much for this coin. And then you understand, as you do the, the research and the, the history, that one of these coins would have been worth a day's wages, which in today's time is anywhere from 120 to $200 for the average just manual labor worker. That's what a day's wages would cost. And so then you go, okay, she's frantically looking for $200 worth of something. Now, you would search your house a little more briskly, I guess you would say, Right? If you lost $200, right? You'd be searching a little bit more, a little bit more frantic. But then there's all these different uh, theories on what she was searching for. One suggests that this was a dowry. And these ten coins were the representation of her family's wealth handed down to her. And it's all she had. Some suggest that she was a poor woman. But scripture doesn't directly say that she was poor. It just said that she had ten coins. And then there's another theory that suggests that this was a gift from her betrothed. It was an engagement gift. And we have a picture up here of what something like that would look like. But in this idea here, it would have been ten coins that she would have worn. It would have either been worn in a headdress or it would have been worn around her neck. And the purpose of this is that it was given to her by the groom as a proposal of sorts. And she was intended to wear it. And sometimes it would have... Um, pictures of his family crest or something of that nature to kind of symbolize what was to come in their marriage. And so customarily women would polish and shine and clean these and as they did that they would think of their coming marriage and they would think of their uh, their spouse-to-be and they would get excited. But can you imagine how frantic she would be if the gift that her Her fiancé had given her, she had lost a portion of it. She had lost a portion of this this wonderful gift. I mean, so she would show up to the wedding and there would be a piece missing. 
In a day and age where women didn't have a lot of value showing up with a piece of your, your headdress or your necklace missing, the husband might look and go, she wasn't even responsible enough to take care of what I gave her. And so her future could have depended on this coin. I say all that and I tell all those different stories to say this. It was of great value. Do you own anything that is of great value? It's great sentimental value. And, and you think, man, nothing can replace it. There's only one like it. It's mine. I have it. And, and you don't have a lot of stuff maybe, but there's that one thing. I have one thing, one material possession that I frantically would turn my house upside down for. And that's my wedding ring. And even as I say, I'm thinking I shouldn't take it off my finger because I'll drop it and I'll lose it. But my wedding ring is special. Because inside it is a small golden heart. And that small golden heart was part of a ring that my wife's father had given to her when she was 13. It was a purity ring that he had given her when she was 13. And when we got married, they took it out of her ring and they put it into my ring and I carry it with me everywhere. It's irreplaceable to me. God loves you more than that. And what the, the parable is trying to say is take whatever you value most in life and understand that God loves you more than that, and he loves the lost more than that. And if we would search that frantically for an inanimate object, certainly we should begin to search out and seek out the lost and the hurting and the broken in our culture and in our society. But here's the big thing. We should particularly search out the ones inside our house inside the house of God I am under no uh, presupposition to believe that everyone in here is found we understand that there are people inside the church walls that are lost but I think what I see in this this passage of scripture is I see someone who is lost due to the neglect of the church's ability to care for those individuals. And so it's a call to the church to say, we need to take care of the ones in our four walls. We need to take care of the ones that are right next to us, that, that are close to us. Right? We do a good job of loving people outside the church, but we sometimes struggle to love the people in the church. And the tragedy of that is that people come and they go and they come every Sunday and they sit in the chairs every Sunday. And we think because they're in the church, they are found. But they are lost. And they are lost in our house. So we look at this and we ask the question, where are the lost? And here's what I would suggest. The lost are near. They are way closer than you think they are. They are way closer than you think they are. They are in these four walls. But it says here, 
won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? The coin was in the house. We need to shine a light on the lost right here within these four walls. Every Sunday we do a couple things. Every Sunday we take attendance. Every Sunday we have connection cards and we try to get connection cards into the hands of new people so we can connect with them. We strive to keep things organized and clean so things can be easily found and people can easily know which direction to go and what they need to be doing. We send out weekly emails to connect with the people in the church. Why? Because we are striving to ensure that no one inside the house gets lost. We care deeply. That's why every Tuesday, uh, myself and Pastor Jonathan and the rest of the pastoral staff, we meet together with the care team and we begin to pray and discuss and we, we talk about who do we need to invite to church, who do we need to send a get well card to, who do we need to be praying for, who do we need to be showing a little extra care to, because we care. Because we don't want anybody inside these four walls to be lost. We're not, un, we're, not, we're not fooled. We understand that you can be inside the four walls of the church and still be lost. Everything we do is an attempt to keep people connected and cared for. It's funny because people often say things like, you know, numbers don't matter in a church. But every number represent, represents a person. And that person matters. And so we track it and we keep track of people and we want to learn names that's why we, we, we stand out and we shake hands and we ask names and maybe we'll have to ask them two or three times. But we want to get to know you. Because we understand that the lost are near. There's a, a term in psychology today called crowded loneliness. It's this idea that you can be in the midst of a crowd and still be lonely. I've been there before. I've stood in the middle of a crowd. See, I'm, I'm an extrovert by nature. I love people. I draw my energy from being around crowds. But I can still be in a crowd and feel lonely. And I know some of you have expressed that you feel that as well. And, I, and I'm sure somebody here today feels that. And you think to yourself, I'm in the middle of a room with hundreds of people. And yet I still feel lonely. That's what I'm talking about today. That's what it feels like to be lost in the house. And we don't want that for anybody in the church. And so we're reaching and we're talking and we're, we're, we're exposing that, right? Like that's what we're trying to do in this conversation is we're exposing that. We understand that people might be in this room today and they might be hurting and they might be broken and they might be lonely and they might be lost. And we're telling you that's okay. But we're also letting you know that we want to help. And we love and we care and we're sweeping and we're lighting the lights and we're searching for you today. We're searching for you today. Because we don't want you to leave today being lost. We want you to leave having been found and having been loved. Next thing we want to understand is that the lost is our responsibility. It's not just my responsibility. It's everyone's responsibility. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, the lost are your responsibility. We are called to seek and to save. We are called to search out the lost and help and to guide. 
They were entrusted to us. In scripture, the church is called the bride of Christ. And that's why I like the imagery of the suggestion that this coin was a wedding gift. You see, God has entrusted believers. God has entrusted the church. God has entrusted his bride with the lost. And he's saying, I need you to go out and I need you to seek them. And I need you to find them. And I need you to sweep the room for them. And especially the ones that are inside the four walls. Man, you can't be losing them. They're right there. You see them every week. You can't lose the ones you see every week. You got to care for them. Last week, Pastor Jonathan had a great sermon about those who were innocently lost. They had lost their way out in the world. And we were talking a little bit back and forth this week about what does it look like to be carelessly lost. And I thought to myself, the coin didn't lose itself. The woman lost the coin. The caretaker lost the coin. And it's a call on the church and it's a call on believers to take accountability and responsibility for those around us and go, you know what? We need to be looking out for our brothers and sisters in Christ so that they don't lose their way. We don't want them to lose their way. We want them to seek and to know Jesus Christ. People are lost carelessly when we avoid our responsibility to care for them. We just avoid the responsibility. That's not my responsibility. Someone else will care for them. Scripture says that if you know to do good and don't do it, it's sin. Which means if you know to show love and compassion and care towards somebody and you push it off and hand it off to the next person, that's sin. It's our responsibility, believers. It's our responsibility, church. Genesis 9-4. This is right after Cain killed his brother Abel. God came to him and he said, Cain, where's your brother? And Cain looked at God and he says, am I my brother's keeper? Am I responsible for my brother? And the answer to that is emphatically, yes. You are responsible for your brothers and sisters in Christ. You shape them, you impact them, you move them one way or another. You either move somebody for the good or you move them for the bad. But make no mistake, you affect and impact the people around you. Thrive groups. Something I want to say about thrive groups, and we're going to talk about thrive groups more later today. But some of you come to church, and you come on a Sunday, and you only come on a Sunday... And, and there's a problem in this. In only coming on Sunday, you will never feel the deep-rooted connection that you need to work and to grow in your spirit. You just, you just won't. There, there's 200 plus people that show up every Sunday. We can't show you the individualized attention you need in two hours on a Sunday in a group of 200. This is a, this is a time for worship. This is a time to pray and to lift up the name of Jesus. This is a time to teach and direct the church. But our thrive groups, and in case you're new here, our thrive groups are, are what we call our small groups. Where people connect and thrive and learn to grow in Christ. 
We do those throughout the week. And that's where someone who is lost is really found because they connect with a smaller group and they begin to foster healthy relationships. And those people in the group begin to seek people out. And when you're missing, your leader and your other people in the group call you and say, hey, how you doing? Just wanted to check in and make sure you're not getting lost along the way. Make sure you're not getting lost in the shuffle. You see, you come on Sundays and sometimes maybe it's easy to get lost in the shuffle. But when you're connecting each week with a small, intimate group of people who deeply care for you, then you're going to grow. And so we want to plug you in and we want to connect with you because we don't want anybody to be lost carelessly. Because we understand that the lost are our responsibility and we want to love and nurture healthy relationships. We also want to understand one thing, as I, as I say this and as I care for everyone, and we do care for everyone here at Capital City, we can't help everybody. Not all who are lost want to be found. That has been one of the most painful things I've experienced in my life. In John 17, 12, Jesus is talking to his disciples he says, during my time, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Jesus had 12 disciples. Judas would betray him. Jesus was loving. He was caring. He was a great pastor. He was a great friend. He was a great mentor. He was a great small group leader. Whatever you want to put that label on him, he was fantastic. Some don't want your help. And it breaks my heart. But if anybody ever leaves our church, they'll never say they didn't try or that, hope, or that capital city didn't care for them. They'll leave here knowing that we loved them deeply and we did everything we could. But in learning that and loving people, we also learn to understand that there is a great many people who want to be found. And sometimes we put too much effort into those who have no desire to grow. And so we push and we push and we strive to reach the lost and to seek and to save the lost. Last point here. The lost are the missing piece. The lost are the missing piece. You ever put a puzzle together? Maybe it's like two, three, four hundred piece puzzle. And you're putting it all together. And what always happens when you're putting a puzzle together like that? You lose one. You lose one puzzle piece. And, and you've worked on this thing for hours. And you get to the very end. And you lost the piece. And it's not complete. In fact, it terrifies me. We have puzzles at home. And if I find a random puzzle piece on the floor, it terrifies me because I'm sitting here going, man, somebody's in for it. They're going to go and start building a puzzle, and there's going to be a missing piece once they get to the end. You see, the lost are the missing piece. Over the last couple weeks, we've had the church 
we've had opportunities for people to sign up for volunteers. And if you volunteered, I want to give, give yourself a round of applause. Let's, come on. If you're a volunteer, it's a big deal. Because the church moves forward because of, their, because of its volunteers. People willing and able to serve. But oftentimes, what the church needs and what the church is missing can be found in the person who needs to be found. And so we seek and we search. Because just like that necklace, we understand that it's not complete if there's a missing piece. It's not complete. Matthew 9.37 says this, Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. I believe the workers are here. The workers just might be lost. I want to add clarity to this idea of being lost. There's different ways to be lost. You can have a, a, a relationship with Jesus Christ and still feel displaced in the church. And you can still feel lost. And that's okay. We just want you to know we don't want you to stay in that, way, that, that situation. We want to help you grow to where you feel like you belong. But we don't know if you don't talk to us. There's the lost who don't have a Savior. They don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Those we desperately want to connect with. And so we seek and we pray and we ask the Lord to reveal those people to us. But then there are those who are slowly being lost. There's been a lot of moving parts. And they're starting to get lost. And they're losing their way. And what they really need most is a friend to come alongside them and say, hey, it's okay. Things are changing, but you're not getting lost. We won't let you get lost. And I know there's feelings out there today. We've, we've brought three churches together over the last three years. And each time a new group of people come in, there's transition. And people maybe feel like they're losing their way. I'm here to tell you, we don't want that. You're not losing your way. If you feel like you're losing your way, come talk to me. Come talk to Pastor Jonathan. We love you. We want to connect you. We want to be there for you. But maybe you're lost today. And you're going, Jacob, I have a good relationship with God. I'm in a small group, or I'm in a thrive group, but something's just missing. I feel like I'm in a crowd, but I'm lonely all the time. Sometimes you just need a friend. So I'm going to give you some action items, okay? I'm going to give you some action items. It says this, won't she light a lamp? And this is basically... What, what we're doing is we're praying for enlightenment here. Lord, enlighten my mind to the people around me 
so that I would be able to see those who are hurting, those who might be lost, those who might be displaced, those who might need a relationship with Jesus. Lord, enlighten me. Open my eyes to the things around me. Open my eyes to the people around me who are hurting. Then it says this, and sweep the entire house. I just want you to do this. Because if, if everybody does it, nothing's awkward, right? Right? You're all looking at me like, oh no, what is he going to say? I'm not going to say anything bad. I just want you to turn your head to the left and turn your head to the right. And I kind of want you to look over who's here and maybe just ask yourself, who do I need to connect with today? Who have I not seen in church for a while and I need to, to connect with them? Who do I need to, to hug? Who do I need to take out to lunch? And then it says here, and search carefully until she finds it. I want you to be intentional with this. I want you to search out and seek out people who you need to reconnect with. I, want you, I, got, some, I got some questions here to ask you, okay? And you can ask yourself. But, I, but I've been thinking about this all week. And, and really, believe it or not, this is probably something um, that I would say that I do every week as a pastor. And I just ask myself each week, who do I need to look for today? I come to church and I, I stand by the door and I said, who haven't I seen in a couple weeks? Who do I need to kind of look around for and check in on? Who do I need to invite over and catch up with? Are there people? My wife and I were just talking uh, this week and we said, you know, we haven't seen so-and-so in a while. We ought to invite them over and connect with them. It's been a while. Who do we need to call and check in on? Right? I'm sure we all know somebody who we've seen in church, but we haven't seen them for a couple weeks. We need to just give them a phone call and say, hey, haven't seen you in church in a couple weeks. Just wanted to connect with you. You see, the pastor doesn't have to be the only one that can do that. Anybody who misses anybody can call somebody and go, hey, we miss you. I miss seeing your face. Who do we need to reconcile with today? That's a big one. How many of us today in the church, we are lost because we are estranged from old friends? And here's the thing, our church is big enough to where two people who are at odds with one another, one could sit over here and one could sit over here and they'd never have to talk. And they'd sit in church and they'd sing the songs and in their minds they'd think to themselves, I'm good. But you can't be good with God if you're mad at Joe, Joe over here. If there's a Joe over here, I didn't know that. Just <laughs> clarify that. That's a random name. But you can't have right relationship with God and be at odds with your brother and sister in Christ. So maybe there's somebody here today that you need to reconcile with so they're not lost anymore. So that relationship isn't lost anymore. Who do we need to take to lunch and get to know? Maybe you just need to treat somebody to lunch today and say, you know what? You're new here today and we don't know you. We'd like to invite you to lunch. Make sure you buy them something good. Make sure you tip well. Make sure you love them. Maybe you just need to invite somebody to lunch today. Who do we need to equip and empower? Who do we need to invite to a Thrive group? It's a big one. It's a big one. Who do we need to invite to a smaller, more intimate setting? 
they're new, maybe they've been coming for a while, maybe they don't know the church really well, and it's hard to maybe connect and get to know people on Sunday in a big crowd like this, who do we need to pull aside and connect with a Thrive group or a Thrive group leader and say, hey, I think this person would really benefit from this Thrive group. I'm going to tell you one more story, and then I'm going to ask Pastor Jonathan to come up, and he's going to talk a little bit more in detail about Thrive groups. But there's a man by the name of Jared Dobney. If you don't know him, he's a gentleman who goes to our church, and he um, leads a Thrive group. But he did something last week that I really appreciated as a pastor. Last week, I had had a rough week. My family had been sick, and just mentally kind of getting that fog of being sick, right? And so last week, I was just kind of somber and just heavy-hearted. And I wasn't doing the normal raising my hands or clapping or standing. I just in kind of a prayerful mood last week. And from across the audience, he came up to me after church on Sunday. And he said, hey man, I just wanted to check in on you. He said, you seemed like things were a little heavier than they normally are. That meant the world to me. Because someone took time to scan the room and said, hey, that person needs a little extra love and attention today. What I'm asking you to do is in the same way that the woman searched after the coin, I'm asking you to search after your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm asking you to search the room and say, hey, who can I be friendly to today? Who can I meet? How can I help somebody today? How can I help somebody no longer feel lost in a crowd? Let me pray for you. Dear Lord God, I pray that the people in this room, if they are lost or they are hurting, that they would no longer be lost or hurting, but that they would find, uh, find hope and salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord God, as a church body, that we would seek out the lost, that we would seek to connect with people, that we would check in on our, our loved ones, that we would put forth every effort to bring the lost back into the fold, back into uh, right relationship with you. Lord, help us to seek and to save the lost. In your name we pray, amen. Jacob just mentioned uh, something he appreciated that Jared did. I'm actually going to invite Jared to the stage right now, and he's going to help us uh, kick off our, our discussion about Thrive Groups in the new semester. We have a lot of changes that are coming up, but we want to make sure you know about them. So hang in here with, with us this morning for just a few minutes um, because we've got a lot going on that we want you to know about. We are going to go ahead and say goodbye to our online audience. We hope that you'll join us here very soon at our Rathmall Road campus. Um, but... From time to time, this is something we just thought about doing, uh, bringing up one of our Thrive Group leaders. Jared just taught for the first time this semester, and uh, we want you to be able to put a face with the name so that when you go to sign up for Thrive Groups this next semester, um, that Jared's someone you might consider checking out uh, what he's doing, I think, on Mondays or Tuesday nights, Monday nights. So, uh, Jared, come on up here, and we're going to give him two or three minutes to share about uh, a little bit about himself and about the class he's going to be teaching, and then we'll fill you in uh, a little bit more on details for Thrive Groups this semester. Thank you. 
um, two or three minutes, that's kind of funny. You could ask my Thrive group from last semester. When I get passionate about something, it's hard for me to stay contained, so I'm gonna try to make this brief. 